If you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, When the Door is Opened. A series teaching us how to witness to different people that we will encounter in our day-to-day lives. Tonight, we're looking at sharing our faith with a seeker. Sharing our faith with someone who is interested in our faith. Acts chapter 10. Familiar story involving Cornelius and Peter. And we want to read just a few verses. Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. He was a centurion of a band called the Italian band. He was a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day. An angel of the God came to him and said to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Thy prayers and thy alms have come up for a memorial before God. Verse 5, Now send men to Joppa and Call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Cornelius sent his servants to find Peter. They found Peter. They brought Peter back to Cornelius's family. Verse 39 through 43. Peter now is going to share with Cornelius and his family. We are witnesses, not attorneys, not salesmen, not pushers, not mover and shakers. We are witnesses. This is Peter talking. Of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. It was him that God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission or the forgiveness of sins. We are called to be witnesses. Somehow that word has got changed through the years. Again, some of us think we're called to be lawyers and argue with people. Or we're called to be salesmen and try to sell somebody something. Or we're called to be pushers and try to push something on somebody even if they don't want it. Or we're called to be debaters and try to touche with people so we can score points. We're not called to be any of that. 
And if that's what you try to do, you will constantly be frustrated and aggravated with trying to share your faith. We are called to be witnesses. Ready to share what we have seen with our own eyes. Ready to share what we've heard with our own ears. And more importantly, ready to share what we have experienced in our own being in regard to Jesus Christ. As somebody wisely said, we are just a bunch of nobodies trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody's. I like that. In Acts chapter 10, we read of a Gentile named Cornelius. He is a Roman soldier, and he's looking for the Lord. And we read in our text that Cornelius was not a pagan man. He was a religious man. He was a good man by all accounts. He was a virtuous man, according to the Scriptures. But he was not a saved man. Let me say that again. He was a religious man. He was a church-going man. He believed certain things. He practiced values and virtues that some of us would be put to shame with. But he wasn't a saved man. And our Lord in His grace and mercy is going to change all of that in our story. Three things I want to lay on your heart as we look at the story of Cornelius and, and how we see how to share our faith with someone who is seeking to know our God. Verses 3-8. through eight. Talk to us about the fact that God reaches out to Cornelius. God reaches out to Cornelius. Notice it says in verse 3, Cornelius saw in a vision. And that day God spoke in various ways. And one of those ways was visions. God doesn't speak that way primarily today. He speaks to us through the Bible. But in that day, God had various means of speaking His truth. And He spoke to Cornelius in verse 3 through a, a vision. An angel of God, it says in verse 3, came to Cornelius and spoke to him. And in that vision, he, Cornelius was afraid in verse 4. He said, Lord, what is it? He recognized what whatever he saw and heard was of the Lord. He said, Lord, what is it? And the Lord said to him in verse 4, Thy prayers and thy alms have come up as a memorial to me. And then he commands him to send his men to Joppa and to bring back a man whose name is Simon, surnamed Peter. In verse 6, the Lord tells Cornelius exactly where Peter's at. You know the Lord knows where you're at. Why are you ducking down? He can still see you. The Lord knew exactly where Peter was at. And he tells Cornelius to go to Joppa. Go here, GPS, and you'll find him. And then he tells him that when you find him, bring him back. Because he will speak something to you that will change your life. 
So God is reaching out to Cornelius. Do you know that God is a reaching God? Do you know God is a revealing God? He reaches out to all of us. He reaches out to all of us with His love. And He reveals to all of us His truth. No exemptions, no exceptions, no exclusions. God loves everybody. And He's constantly reaching out to us in love. He's constant revealing to us in truth. He is a reaching, revealing God. And he's now reaching out and revealing himself to Cornelius. Now, I want you to understand, this is probably not the first time that God has done this in regard to Cornelius. In fact, I know it isn't. Because remember, Cornelius was probably a pagan at some point. Being a Gentile and being a Roman, he probably worshipped multiple gods. And so God has been working him toward the truth. God spoke to him through creation and revealed himself to be God. And then later, God would speak to Cornelius again through his conscience. And he would tell Cornelius that there is a God in heaven who's not only a creator God, but he's a righteous God. He not only made everything and everyone there is, but he gave a moral compass, a moral law by which his creation is to live. And then God spoke to Cornelius probably another time and revealed to him that this creator God, this righteous God, this God who made everyone and everything and has absolutes in regard to morals is the God of Israel. He's the God that the Hebrews worship. So you see, every time God is reached out to Cornelius, Cornelius has reached out to God. Every time God has revealed himself to Cornelius, Cornelius has accepted that revelation and believed. But now God is going to speak again to Cornelius. And this time he's going to speak through his preacher. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But how will they hear the word of God without a what? A preacher. And so, God tells Cornelius in a vision, send for this one called Peter. And he's going to tell you some things to complete the journey. He is going to tell you about my only beloved begotten Son, whose name is Jesus Christ. He's going to tell you that Jesus is my Son. He's going to tell you that whosoever will can come to Him for salvation, for He is Lord over all. He's going to tell you that this Jesus is the Good Shepherd who died for the sins of the world. 
He's going to tell you that this Jesus is the great shepherd who arose again from the grave. He's alive. He's going to tell you that this Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's coming again one day. We shall behold Him is not just a song. It's a truth. He's going to tell you all about Jesus, Cornelius. And He's going to tell you how you can make the good, great, and chief shepherd who is crucified, resurrected, and coming again your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, the Lord is moving in Cornelius' life. I want you to understand something because I don't know why it's confusing to some people. God is a God of progressive revelation. He's constantly reaching out to us. He's constantly revealing Himself to us. He's constantly trying to communicate to us how much He loves us and the truth of His Word. Now, when He does that, we can do a number of things, can't we? We can listen and believe. We can speed up the process by listening to what He says and believing what He says and doing what He says. Or we can slow down the process by being stubborn and stiff-necked and resistant. Or we can stop the process altogether by saying, Lord, I don't want to listen to you no more. Lord, shut up, Lord. We can even reverse the process by saying, go away and don't come back. God is a God of revelation, and how we handle the revelation that He gives to us determines how much more revelation we're going to get. Every single person born of a woman in this world is given some type of revelation of the God of heaven. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 the Apostle Paul eloquently talks about that. And he summarizes everything he says in chapter 2 of Romans in the first two verses by saying man is, has no excuse. Man has no excuse. There is no excuse. Everybody receives revelation. It's what we do with the revelation that determines how much more revelation we're going to get. God speaks through creation. God speaks through conscience. God speaks through His Son, Jesus. And if we keep saying, Lord, I hear and I believe, He gives us more. And that's what He's doing in Cornelius' life. Cornelius has went from a pagan to a believer in the Creator God, the righteous God, the God of Israel, the God of the Hebrews, and now he's getting ready to know this God himself in a real and personal way. 
But notice something else in verses 19 through 24. God not only reveals Himself to Cornelius, He comes to Cornelius, but He now sends Peter to Cornelius. Verses 19 through 24. If you just look down and read it a little bit, you'll see that Peter arrives. He's aware of the vision that Cornelius saw. He's aware of the fact that God has sent him to witness to Cornelius. Now, there is humor in the Bible if you'll read it. And you know there's a little bit of humor here when Peter and Cornelius get together. I mean, they're, they're the original odd couple. Y'all remember that TV show, The Odd Couple? I mean, think about it now. Just Here's Cornelius. He is a Gentile. He's non-Jewish. He's one of us. On the other side is Peter. He is a dye-in-the-wool Jewish man. You don't get much more kosher than Peter. Cornelius is uncircumcised and doesn't want to be circumcised. Peter has been circumcised on the eighth day according to Jewish law, and he's proud of it. Cornelius is a soldier. Peter is a fisherman. Cornelius eats everything. He eats shrimp. He eats oysters. He eats lobster. He eats barbecue. He eats BLTs with lots of bacon. He's not, he doesn't have any dietary restrictions. And Peter, well, I told you, he's kosher. He doesn't eat any of that. He's on a strict diet. Cornelius is contemporary. Peter's traditional. Cornelius is an open-minded man. Peter's closed-minded. Cornelius is an acceptable person. He doesn't have any prejudices. And Peter had plenty of them. I mean, you couldn't ask for two opposite people to be thrown together by God. But God did it. I wonder why God matched those two up. I, I can promise you, I wouldn't have done that. God didn't ask me, though. Don't you laugh, He didn't ask you either. Why did God put two unlikely people together for this witness? I'll tell you why. God was preparing to do something in the church. And what was going to happen with Peter and Cornelius was a microcosm of what God was about to do in His church. The church up to this time was a segregated church. Not by color, but by race. The church of that day was almost wholly Jewish. And Gentiles were not welcome. Lest they were circumcised, baptized, and followed the law of Judaism. And God is about to change all of that. He is about to integrate His church. 
He's about to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together under one roof. Absolutely unheard of. That's what God's about to do. And He's going to use Peter and Cornelius and the relationship they will develop to bring it about. You know that God is always working on the lost. And God is always working on the saved. God wants to save the lost. And God wants to change the saved. And sometimes we're the greater challenge. Because Peter wasn't open to any of this. I told you, he was a very biased, very prejudiced, very traditional, very old school man. And although we don't have it in the Scriptures, I I just kind of think he argued with God a little bit. And God won. (laughs) He normally does, doesn't he? God was working. He was preparing a lost man to receive the truth. He was preparing a saved man to accept new truth. Let's move on, though. God was working on Cornelius. God sends Peter. Now, Peter arrives, sits down in the house of a Gentile. That should have been interesting. Has a meal with the Gentile. Even more interesting. And then a conversation develops. In verses 34 through 43 of Acts chapter 10, you'll turn there and just kind of look at the verses. Peter begins to share with Cornelius the message of Jesus. Not the, me- not the message of the Baptists. Not the message of the Methodists. Not the message of the Assembly of God. Not the message of the Protestant. Not the message of the Catholic. Not a denominational message. Not a non-denominational message. Peter shares with Cornelius Jesus. In verse 38, he shares with him the power of Jesus. How he was anointed of God. With Holy Spirit power. Verse 39 He shares with Cornelius of the crucifixion of Jesus. How Jesus died on a cross, not for his sins, but for the sins of the world. In verse 40, he shares with Cornelius of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus indeed died on the cross. He was buried, but on the third day, he came back to life. He conquered sin, He conquered death, He conquered the grave, He conquered hell itself. Verse 42, He shares with Cornelius that one day this crucified, buried, resurrected Jesus will be the judge of all men. For the Father has given all judgment to the Son. And then in verse 43, He shares with him the salvation that Jesus gives. 
Believeth, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive the, trans, the remission or the forgiveness of sins. What has Peter just shared with Cornelius? It's called the what? The gospel. And do you notice it's all about Jesus? The power of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the judgment of Jesus, the salvation of Jesus. Peter doesn't allow Cornelius to get sidetracked. He doesn't chase after any rabbits. No tangents, no sideshows, no wondering, no meandering. Peter, a simple fisherman, has a great understanding of how you witness to people. He keeps the witness on Jesus. He keeps it right where it needs to be. Remember last week, I told you if Jesus is lifted up, what happens? All men are drawn to him. So Peter witnesses Christ. And Cornelius takes the next step. The final step to his salvation. He asked Jesus to be his savior. Do you see the progressiveness of all of this? Sometimes we only see the end of it. Sometimes we see the beginning of it. But I want you to understand that with all of us, there was a beginning where God reached out to us in love, revealed to us his truth. And as we responded to that, God kept moving the ball down the field of our life. Until the day we said yes to the ultimate revelation, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question in closing. Are you ready to share Jesus with somebody? If God is working in the lost that are out there, and He is, amen? If God is working in the saved that's in here, and He is, amen? That's a little weaker, isn't it? Are we ready to do what God would have us to do? Are you ready? Or would you have to duck and dodge somebody out there because you really don't know what to say? Or would you have to get on your cell phone and call Norman to come help you? Or would you have to say to somebody, listen, how about just come to church next Sunday and the pastor will take care of you? What would you say to somebody that God sent to you to witness to? Did you sound like a Chinaman, although you've never been to China? Most of us wouldn't know what to say. That's why I keep going back to the fact, what have we been called to be? Witnesses. What does a witness do? They simply tell what they saw with their own eyes, heard with their own ears, and experienced in their own being. That's what they do. That's the testimony that witnesses give. If I was asked to give a testimony, if I was asked to be a witness, I'm not going to tell people what you saw. I don't know what you saw. But I know what I saw. I'm not going to tell them what you heard. I don't know what you heard. 
But I know what I've heard. I don't know what you've experienced. I'm not going to talk about your experiences. I'm going to talk about mine. That's what witnesses do. They personalize what they see and hear and they experience. And you know something? Your testimony is irrefutable. People can argue theology with you all the time, and they do. But nobody can argue what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've experienced. It's, it's, a, it's something for me. And that's what we've been called to be, ladies and gentlemen. Witnesses, don't make it more than it is. Do you know that 97% of all unsaved people will never grace the door of a church in their lifetime. 97% of those folks out there who do not know the Lord, who are dying, who are on their way to a devil's hell, only 3% of them will ever walk into a church. Far fewer a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. So this idea that if we just sit in here and put the welcome sign out there and they'll come rushing in here, it's a myth. They're not going to come. And we weren't told that they would come. The gospel, what's the first two letters in the gospel? G-O, go. We're to go to them, not expect them to come to us. 97% will never come to any church. They will be born, they will live, and they will die and never sit in a church like you're doing right now. If we're going to reach these folks, if we're going to tell these folks how much God loves them, if we're going to share with these folks the truth of God's Word, we're going to have to do it outside the church. That comes back to what we're talking about with the invitation in HIP. Hospitality, invitation, prayer. Invitation, going outside the walls of this church and letting people know about Jesus and about how they're welcome to come here and learn about Him. We need to be witnesses at work. In school, in our neighborhoods, in our grocery stores, in our ball fields, in the coffee shops, in the gyms, and the meeting places. You don't have to force it. If God is working, God will bring them to you. You've got to be ready and I've got to be ready to recognize what God's doing and know what to say to Him. You don't want to fumble the ball when you get an opportunity. Because opportunities may not come again for you, nor for that person who's searching or looking. We need to be sensitive to what God is doing around us and to whom He's doing it to. So many of us, all we want to do is, if we're going to share our faith, is we want to do it to somebody who's like us. Do you realize maybe... That person of another color, or culture, or class, or countenance, or checkbook status. Maybe that's the one God wants you to witness to. 
You say, wait a minute, pastor, I'm not like them. That's exactly right. God does unusual things. I heard an old preacher say years ago that if anybody is around him for longer than two minutes, he looks at it as an opportunity from God to witness to him. Now that's sensitivity, isn't it? You get delayed and somebody's standing next to you and they're delayed with you. And you're saying, well, I'm... Well, maybe God caused the delay so you could turn to that person and have a conversation with them. And maybe that person, God is going to have them ask you a leading question and gives you a chance to be a witness. You see, God is working on the lost, God's working on the saved, God's working out there, God's working in here. God's preparing them, but God's preparing us. we got to be ready. Again, I want you to think about this. What would you say right now if you left this church and you went to Bojangles? And somebody was sitting next to you at the table, munching on a biscuit. And they looked over at you and said, did you just come from church? Tell me a little bit about your church. Don't you think that's a little open door? Maybe you ought to say to him, listen, I I don't really know a lot about church, although I go. But let me tell you about the Jesus of church. You see, we're witnesses, aren't we? All you got to do is tell them what happened to you. I was a sinner. I know that. I was a sinner. I was separated from God. I was on my way to hell. And He was a Savior. Who saves people who are separated from Him and on their way to hell. And I brought my sins to Him. Every single dirty one of them. And He saved me from my sins. Every single dirty one of them. I believed He would forgive me and save me and change me. And He did all of that for me and more. I'm now forgiven I'm now free. I'm now filled with peace and joy and hope beyond anything I could have ever imagined. You notice I said I? I'm sharing my testimony and my witness. That's what witnesses do. And what He did for me, He can do for You see, that's all it is, folks. We have all these fancy witnessing programs that come out of the convention. They must have been 60 programs since I've been pastor. I mean, they they must hire people who do nothing but crank out witnessing programs. And none of them work because all of them are canned. Remember this. When they say this, you say that. Just tell people what happened to you. And let God take that 
and work it into their own mind and heart. I heard the story about a little boy who listened to his preacher preach something like I'm doing to you tonight. And the little fellow was kind of slow-witted. You ever, you know, just he just wasn't running all, all cylinders up top. Some of y'all understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> I didn't mention no names. Why y'all turning red? <laughs> but the little fellow, he was a little slow-witted, little little stammered tongue. But he he really wanted to witness. So the next day, he went to grocery shopping with his mother. And he said, I'm going to, he thought to himself, I'm going to witness to the first man I see. Well, sure enough, there was a man in a nice suit picking up a few items at the grocery store and the little boy walked up to him. He said, mister, can I tell you about Jesus? And the man in the suit apparently was in a hurry. And he said, go away, kid. I'm not interested. And the little boy stopped and looked at him. You could hear the gears grinding. And he was waiting to form his little words. And you know what he said to that man? You can go to hell then. Now I wouldn't advise saying that to people. <laughs> but he's, that's what he said. The man that he witnessed to with those words could never get him out of his mind. Those words followed him out of that grocery store. Those words followed him to his car. Those words followed him to work. Those words followed him back home. When he closed his eyes at night, he could not escape the ghost of those words. Go to hell then. It wasn't too long after that 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 man gave his life to Jesus. And he testified it was the words of that little boy he never saw again that started the process. You see, whenever we witness to people, ladies and gentlemen, we may not see immediate results. But I can promise you, if you are faithful to tell what you've seen and heard and experienced, and you do it as a lady or a gentleman, and you do it with love, I can promise you, God will use it to one day make a profound difference in their life. Maybe forever. May I challenge you and I tonight to be witnesses. We're just one generation from closing the doors. This church, one generation from putting out of business on the front door. If we don't bring in people and we're losing people, it's only a matter of time before we're going to be at zero. We've got to do a better job of witnessing. And I'm asking you to be a witness, myself to be a witness. There's a lot of seekers out there. And God wants to bring us across their path and them across ours. That he might do a work in his church 
that goes far beyond anything we could ever know or imagine. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.